Welcome to the Triathlon ACT podcast, where you'll find out all the latest news, events, results, and backstory of all things triathlon. You'll also hear from the incredible people who bring triathlon in the heart of the nation's capital to life. And now your hosts, all the way from Canberra, Australia, Craig Johns and Emily Stacey. Welcome to the Triathlon ACT podcast. Hi, I'm Craig Johns, Executive Director at Triathlon ACT, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Emily Stacey. Hello, Craig. I'm not really with you. I'm in the tact office. <laughs> we're, we're completely social and physically distanced right now um, by quite a few miles. Uh, yeah. So it's good. Uh, look, hey, you know, the year's going quite quick. We're now three, where are we? Three months into COVID-19. Um, and restrictions are coming off, which is fantastic. And we're seeing a lot of people, their moods brighten. Um, some people may, may still be without a job and you know, we really feel for you and we're here for you as well. Um, but we're seeing more people back in the swimming pools keen to be running and cycling, which is great, isn't it? It is so good. I've really enjoyed seeing the whole kind of Canberra active community getting out and about. Like I'm crossing paths with so many different people at the moment. Um, from yeah running and swimming and riding and it's really quite exciting yeah for those who don't know there's a lot of collaboration happening in the background as well um, we're looking at different projects and working together for instance uh, you know the end of this week I'm meeting with different user groups uh, that, that are involved in cycling and running and mountain biking uh, who are involved out at Stromlo to make sure that we can look at how or continue the conversation on how we can best manage the situation with the brand new aquatic center going out there and how we can run a fence effectively and, and multiple events at the same time and, and not affect the commercial operations because we want everyone to be able to live and work in harmony and we've obviously got a lot more residents out in the Stromlo area as well. So there's things like that that happen and, and obviously when we're talking around return to sport, a lot of communication happening between the sports as well, um, which is fantastic. So not just out on the out in the field or out in the roads or in the pools, it's also happening at administration level as well. We've got membership coming up soon. We do, yes. We do, and so obviously membership renewals for those that are auto-renew, when does that occur, Emily? The auto-renew, it switches over on the, um, the 1st of July. 1st of July. Yeah. Excellent, and so what sort of things do members who are current members need to be thinking about right now? Ooh, well, that's a good one. So what people need to check for their membership, whether auto-renew is still on, um, if they want to keep it on or switch it off. Also, to make sure that your credit card details are up to date and while you're in there changing those or updating those, make sure your address, phone numbers, things like that are all in and up to date. Yeah, it's great. And and also, you know, obviously for some people it might be a challenging time. So if, if it is a bit challenging for you financially, you know, just reach out to us as well. Um, talk through your situation and, you know, we can see what we can do for you. Uh, you know, it's important that, you know, for us that you continue in the sport and that you have those opportunities to keep, to keep swim, biking and running and, and staying both physically and mentally healthy during this time. So, yeah, always reach yeah. out to us and keep communicating. Absolutely. And that's a... a um... I love membership time because I get a lot of phone calls and I get to talk to a lot of people. Um, and if anyone's having any, any trouble getting into their active account um, 
and updating details, also give me a call as well. I'm more than happy to help, um, and I love I do love a chat. <laughs> Brilliant. So we've got uh, we've had the Zwift virtual series running for the Triathlon Australia, and we've had three events so far, and they've been highly successful with a close to 400 participants every time, around 350, 400. There's one more to go on the 21st of June. So make sure you jump onto the Triathlon Australia website and Facebook pages to check out that last event and we'll make sure we get something up uh, on our Facebook page as well. And Miles Stewart was, had, had a wonderful award this week. Yeah, with the Queen's Birthday Honours list. So he received an Order of Australia Merit, which is obviously a very high um, award. And that is in relation to you know his... Um, the work that he's done as an athlete where he competed and won world championships and fourth at the Olympic Games, as well as the work that he's done in governance and administration over quite a few years now. So a wonderful acknowledgement to the work that Miles Stewart has been doing. All right, so we've got uh, a wonderful guest today and she has been involved in the sport of triathlon for quite a number of years now, especially here in Canberra. Uh, so we've got the wonderful Jodie Barker, and you've spent a bit of time with Jodie over the years? I have, yeah, training at Bilby's and also racing. So I do, I really love racing um, against Jodie. She's um, a really good competitor. <laughs> a really good competitor. She's a very tough competitor. She's, she's a tough competitor, <laughs> really good. She is tough. I'm thinking, what sort of words? But yeah, very tough competitor and yeah. Yeah, she's competitive at everything she does from what I see. And, you know, so we were ready for an exciting conversation. So here we go, Jodie Barker. I'm delighted to introduce our special guest on this week's uh, Triathlon ACT podcast. And I have the wonderful Jodie Barker. Uh, Jodie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Craig. And uh, thank you for the invite for being able to share my triathlon journey with you. I always enjoy conversations with you and you, you're a real deep thinker around the sport and are quite considered in uh, you know, how we can improve the sport uh, all the time, which I think is fantastic. And you've been in the sport now for over two decades. You know, when was your first ever triathlon? Uh, my first ever triathlon was back in 1994. Uh, back in those days, you know, everyone raced or all the girls seemed to race in two-piece bathers and guys raced in budgie smugglers and a singlet top and that was pretty much it. Um, not many people had tri-bars on their bikes or if they did, they were clip-on tri-bars. And so looking at where technology is nowadays, it's, uh, it's definitely come a long way. Well, it certainly has. There's a lot of innovation and technology in the sport now that allows you to uh, feel more comfortable and go a lot faster on the bike and, and other aspects of the race as well. So for you back then in 1994, was that in Canberra? No, I um, commenced triathlons. I grew up in Melbourne um, and I uh, commenced in triathlons as a result of um, running career where I was getting a few injuries and so I decided to do a bit of cross training to um, prevent and overcome the injuries however I also was enrolled and then completed a Bachelor of Applied Science in Human Movement and Health Promotion and one of the subjects within the uh, human movement side of my degree was about fitness testing and 
VO2 max and and I did one of these VO2 max things which very popular now and I went quite well and there was a a couple of triathletes on my in my human movement course and and I beat a couple of them and and so they sort of said to me why don't you come and give this triathlon thing a go so I did and 24 25 years later I'm still in the sport (laughs) brilliant so along the way you've uh, competed at all different distances and levels and I believe you probably won a few ACT titles along the way. Um, but you, what, what has been your favourite distance? Do you know what, Craig? Any race is fun. Uh, whether it's a... I started in races which was a 150-metre swim, 8K ride and 1.5K run and after those races I was absolutely exhausted I would get home, lay on the um, like in the floor on the floor in front of the TV, and eat a packet of cheesels, and was totally exhausted. Whereas now, you know, over the past few, probably 15 years, of competing in events of, of the distance of Ironman, and it's exactly the same type of challenge and exhilaration that you get from finishing an event, but also the excitement of oh when can I do my next event and that's what has kept me in the sport for so many years that not one particular event do I focus on it's all about challenging myself in different ways uh, throughout that 24 years. Brilliant and you've won national titles in sprint triathlon, duathlon, half Ironman and Ironman for your age group which is um, just a, a wonderful achievement to show that diversity across the distances as well. You've been to Kona seven times, the Holy Grail of Triathlon. What was it like the first time you went to Kona? The first time I went to Kona, which was in 2004, I went in um, a very scared, but also I had athletes who I trained with in the particular squad I was in who had been a couple of times. So. I had a bit of a feeling of what to expect. I knew it was going to be hot. I knew it was going to be windy. And I knew I just wanted to finish it. I think the second time I raced in Kona, which was in 2005, that was the harder year because I knew what to expect. I had expectations of myself. And, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to better myself in that second time competing. So the first year, it was all about the experience because um, for most long-distance athletes, maybe not all, but most in triathlon, you're right, Craig, it is Ironman is the holy grail for, for the sport and hence you just want to get there and compete and enjoy an experience. It's uh, It's one of those mystical, magical places where... You know, you're dealing with not just the the duration of the event, but you're dealing with heat. You're dealing with the aura of being on the Big Island. You're uh, you've also got all you know a much bigger entourage of media and um, companies there, and a lot of spectators, and the whole island gets behind it. Uh, and then you've got these winds. You know, what was it? You know, what's it like when the winds are really gusting and blowing on the island? So um, to put it in perspective, on a race, you can have, 
on a race day where you the wind is very kind to you and then i've had race days where my bike time has blown out by 40 or 45 minutes due totally to the um the trade winds over on the uh the big island um and generally if you have a um good sort of tailwind for the first half of the bike you know the second half of the bike is not only going to be tough it's going to be an absolute slog and all you want to do is to get to the end of the bike with when you have that type of a day yeah i've had race days over in um kona where the your drink bottle literally gets blown out of your hands because the the wind is so strong or you know you're too scared to take your hands off your handlebars to pick up your drink bottle because you're worried about getting blown blown across uh, the side of the road uh, so with that in perspective sometimes on those super windy days you can then come off the bike um, not as hydrated as you should be and then that hence affects your run and your run time and also your ability over there. So the wind just can have a massive impact on any athlete's day. And it's really interesting when, when you are in those winds too, is a lot of people, will, their tendency will be to grip on and hold tight when in fact it's actually better to stay relaxed. It's, um, it goes against your, your natural instinct, doesn't it? Oh, most definitely. And if you do grip on tight, then you can have issues with neck issues, lower back issues. And then once you have the lower back issues, it then affects your hamstrings and then your um, your calves as well. So as you said, Craig, trying to stay relaxed, even in those, in those you know, super windy conditions, um, it's, it's the key to being able to, to finish the day. I remember racing there in 2008 and we, we turned around at Harvey and we come back down the hill um, on our return and I ran out of gears. And <laughs> the only way to actually stay on your side of the road and is to and to stop you from getting lifted up and moved across the road is to keep pedaling. And so it's an incredible experience that you have not experienced anywhere else, maybe south of Taiwan when I used to be there, but the, just those winds were incredible. and. Um, I don't know how some of the lighter athletes actually manage to stay on their bikes sometimes. Um, pretty, pretty magical. Yeah, you're exactly right there, Craig. And especially, as you said, coming down from the bike turnaround in Harvey, the, because of the way the hill is going down, you have pockets where you're protected by shrubbery and, um, and mounds of dirt. And then you have other parts where you're, totally open to the elements and and that's where as much as you want to keep moving fast down the hill you also have to be totally aware of the bikes that are around you as well and also the skill level of the people who are are riding down the hill near near you because uh, you don't want to be collected by them either and, and you know kind of changed a lot you know back in the 2000s you know there would have been around up to 1400 athletes now they're close to 2300 2400 athletes very different racing now in kona than what it used to be you know a decade or or decade and a half ago at least where you actually could go non-drafting quite easily now it's just about impossible to do that race without being in some sort of draft that's totally correct so back in uh, 2004 you're right there was probably even only 
1600 that competed then like i Kona is one race where I keep my um, race numbers and uh, race wristbands and you know, I have them in frames or in special places around the house. Um, whereas in 2017, which was my last year that I competed in Kona, you're right, there was 2,400 uh, athletes and the, the um, organisers a few years ago instigated a male start and then a female start to, to try and separate out the groups, but um, but you're right. There's there's chance that you're going to be drafting or within that draft zone for a period of time. And maybe the you know the resolution to this in the future, and obviously they've tried this at seventy point three now, is to have males on one day and females on the next day, just to to keep it you know the, those numbers up there, but not to make it you know difficult because if you've got a pack of you know, some of those packs can get pretty big. I mean, if everyone is actually abiding by the drafting rule, then you're spread out a long way and it's very difficult to pass people um, in those instances. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that, that race transpires in the future. Exactly right, yes. And so for you, uh, you've now been in Canberra for a while and, and part of the a real sort of embedded into the triathlon scene here. And you're a member of both Bilby's and Transcend. You know, what for you, what, you know, for someone who does, who, who did a lot of Ironman type training, how did, you know, what, what was the benefit for you and what did you enjoy the most around being in a club environment? Uh, I, it's a great, when you move to a new city or a new town, being part of a club is a great way to meet people. Uh, to get new training partners and also to share ideas and to and to share experiences with other athletes. Um, both Bilby's and Transcend are, are great clubs, as are all the clubs in the ACT, and each has their specific focus and um, and you know what that they offer to us as athletes. Um, and without the triathlon clubs. Obviously, you know the the stepping stones for athletes to to enjoy and, and commencing triathlons just it would be totally scary, and you know we'd all be going, oh, what do we do? How do we do this this sport called triathlon? Yeah, and and even you know the the things that have changed a lot too around the price, the cost of actually getting involved in triathlon has changed a lot. I think. My first race is 1989, and if I remember correctly, it was only two dollars fifty to compete. Um, whereas now, you know, you, you can spend up to a thousand dollars just for the entry fee at an Ironman race. What what things have you seen change that you would uh, love to go? You know, so what what are some things that don't happen now, but used to happen that you'd love to go back to? Uh, the the amount of races that you could do. So back when I first started, I was able to race, and bear in mind I was in Melbourne, I could race once or twice on a Saturday and again on a Sunday if I wanted in a triathlon. There was just so many different um, series that you could race in, so many different um, you know places that you could race. And, and bear in mind Melbourne's very different to Canberra in terms of the venues that you could have, but also just the, um, you know, the sanctioning of events, you know, the, wasn't 
as tight as what it is now. So, you know, a club could just have a race, I don't know, along a, a general road. And as long as they had a couple of marshals up saying to the traffic to slow down, that was pretty much it, a race could go ahead. Whereas now we have to have full road closures and, you know, police presence and, road, you know, people who are qualified to hold up, you know, security signs. And, you know, it, that part of the... Um, sport is obviously with these um, modernisations of the sport comes a comes a cost, uh, which unfortunately it's part of society as to as to any sport that we have these days. Yeah, it is a real challenge um, to do that, and obviously we would love to to make the sport a lot cheaper as well. But it is it is a bit of a challenge when you're facing uh, the risk and potential litigation. <laughs> around holding events as well. So uh, it, it is a challenge. And, and for you, what's your favorite gear? What, what do you like the most? Gear as in, what training, do you mean by Training gear or racing gear? Oh, look, so for, a, to, for quite a number of years, I was um, sponsored by Brooks, so I better put a plug in for Brooks <laughs> running shoes. <laughs> but you know what, I'm not actually, you know, apart from that, I just need stuff. If I have a brand that I find, that I trust, that I like, then I'll stick with it. But I'm always open to to a good bargain. And that's pretty much my my philosophy in, um, in finding training clothes and gear. Um, and as long as I look nice as well and, and pretty much match, which is very important to me. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And so for you, you know, obviously we've been in COVID-19 and, and a few restrictions. Have you, what, what have you done to adjust your training during the last three months? Uh, obviously, no. Well, unlike some people, I haven't been swimming. So I know some athletes have been swimming the lake for quite some period of time, which for me, I decided that that wasn't a, um, a goal of mine. So when the uh, gymnasiums and everything closed on the, uh, the Monday, I purchased a rowing machine that night and some extra weights and then some bands and um, resistance cords. So I've supplemented my swimming with um, using the rower paddles and bands. And and I've found that has worked quite well. Um, And to be honest, not that I don't like swimming, but I've enjoyed not smelling of chlorine for a period of time. However, I do miss the pool and and even just I... um, do a lot of my swimming at either um, Sizac or Civic, but in particular at Civic, when I swim in the morning, I've I've missed seeing the um, the old ladies and whatever that share, you know, that might share the lane across from you or walk into the pool at the same time of you. I've in- missed engaging with uh with that group of people. Hmm. Um, with regards to running and riding, um, I've stuck to pretty much what I would normally do anyway and gym work I've adapted to having um gym equipment within our our garage so is the part that you miss is training with the bigger groups of people and that and that will take time um for us for us all to get back to the groups that we used to uh train with and enjoy each other's company of so when events come back uh, in the summer, you know, for you, what distance and, and do you have kind of any goals for the next year or two? Um, so my goal, which I've, I've qualified for the uh, 70.3 Worlds 
which were to be held in New Zealand later this year, but um, they've now been moved to early 2021. I'm not sure of the exact date yet. Um, and then post that, I'll be sticking to 70.3 distance races and below. I, after oh, probably 16 years, 17 years competing in the Ironman distance, I retired from that distance um, at the end of last year. Uh, my body was saying to me that running 42k off the bike, you know, for 28 times, so I've done 28 Ironmans all up, um, I needed to listen to my body a bit more. That's yeah, a good idea. I don't know if we do that so well as uh, endurance athletes sometimes. We tend to think that uh, pain is our friend and, and fatigue and we tend to push through a bit too much. So uh, congratulations on such a, a wonderful triathlon career so far. And we look forward to seeing you continuing in the sport for many, many years. And thank you very much for your time today, Jody. And um, thank you to you, Craig, for uh, the invite to chat and uh, to all the athletes out in the ACT, keep um, keep focused. We will be able to train together and um, race together soon. And I look forward to seeing you all. Oh, another great conversation with one of the Triathlon ACT members there and Jody Barker, who's involved with Bilbies and also uh, works at Defence, is just a phenomenal athlete. Um, a, a lot of great achievements over the years and just loves being part of the triathlon community. Yes. Yeah, no, she really does. That's, that's a, yeah, a good conversation. So should we transcend as well, though? Yes, that's right. She is too, correct? And so um, what are you up to over the this coming weekend? Anything exciting to share? Well, um, yes. I have actually just discovered a new running route. I know lots of people are out at Narrabunda Hill. But it's a 5k loop, which is awesome. And I'm going to go about thrashing myself around there a couple of times on Saturday. Brilliant. Okay. Well, you enjoy that. And uh, will. for everyone out there, um, be safe and enjoy being outdoors and uh, make sure that you think about uh, looking after everyone else that's out there as well. You know, we still are in phase 2A of COVID-19 and um, hopefully if everything goes well, we'll be at phase 2b in another week and a half's time so all right take care be safe and uh, we look forward to speaking to you soon be a part of the triathlon act community by visiting www.triathlonact.com.au if you enjoyed this episode of the triathlon act podcast we encourage you to share it on facebook instagram and linkedin and leave a review on your favourite podcast app. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to contact Craig or Emily at director at act.triathlon.org.au with your feedback, questions and suggestions. Be sure to check out the next episode of the Triathlon ACT podcast.